Welcome to Pairing, Episode 5, The Fellowship of the Ring, Part 2. We are continuing on the journey of our Middle Earth and Old World wine series, wherein I, Emma, your host, pair each place in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien with a different wine region in Europe. As I mentioned in Part 1, I decided to break these episodes up into smaller, more digestible pieces so as to not totally inundate you with my profound nerdiness. I get it. Even for me sometimes, I can't watch both discs of the extended editions in one sitting. However, I did want to release part one and part two sequentially because they are connected, and I do recommend listening to part one first if you haven't already. It's not totally necessary, but this episode will probably make more sense that way. I know what you're thinking. Can this lady talk about anything other than Lord of the Rings? Well, eh. Definitely not to the extent that I can talk about these books, but yes, I promise, after this episode, we will be diving into other content and genres. So, if Tolkien's not your thing, there's a lot to look forward to. Though hopefully you'll enjoy this episode, whether or not you enjoy Tolkien. There's not too much else to say before diving into this one except to give a spoiler alert. If you haven't read or seen Lord of the Rings and you don't want it spoiled, please, pause this recording and go check those out first, though I don't recommend doing it the way I did. You'll see what I mean in this episode. Also, believe it or not, there are also spoilers for the first season slash book of Game of Thrones, so if somehow you haven't come into contact with those and want to remain unsullied, stop listening when you hear us pairing a spirit grape with Boromir about five minutes before the end of the episode. We were drinking the same wine as The Fellowship Part 1, we were just a little deeper into the bottle, which was Villa Antonori's 2014 Toscana Rosso. So if you want some more information on that, do check out Episode 4, and if you want to learn more about the wines of Tuscany, check out Episode 2, Kill Bill and Sangiovese. Thank you so much to everyone who has been listening to the show thus far. You all make my day every day with your comments, questions, and feedback, so please keep it coming. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast, and on our website at thepairingpodcast.com. If you are enjoying the show and can take a minute to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, the app formerly known as iTunes, that would mean the world to us. It really makes a huge difference in getting more people to listen in. Without further ado, here is Episode 5, The Fellowship of the Ring, Part 2. So before we leave Rivendell, I want to do one last grape and character pairing, and that is for Elrond. Master Elrond, half-elven who chose to become an elf, um, he, as far as I can remember, he's the only character who's like a major player in all of the Lord of the Rings books. So uh, the Silmarillion, The Hobbit, and The Lord of the Rings. Gandalf is technically in the Silmarillion as well, but he's mostly in the epilogue, so it doesn't really count. He's there, he's mentioned before, but um, we're saying Elrond's the only one who's a major player throughout. And so the grape that I'm going to pair with Elrond is Sauvignon Blanc. And the reason why is because I think that Sauvignon Blanc is kind of ubiquitous. You find it all over the world at this point. You know, you find it in Europe, you find it in California, you find it in South America, you find it in Australia, you find it in South Africa. You know, it's everywhere. So, and it's different everywhere it is. But in 
in general, it seems to be pretty well liked of the major white grapes. I can tell you Sauvignon Blanc is usually the most popular. That's not to say that, you know, everyone likes Sauvignon Blanc and that's okay. But I feel like, you know, pretty much everybody likes Elrond. He's a pretty cool guy. He's He runs this place that's like a pretty awesome place to come and stay. And he seems to be pretty generous. And, you know, he's just a, he's just a likable guy. And he's super old and he's super wise and... And Sauvignon Blanc is a, is a very old grape, and it has a lot of history. It has a lot of clones of itself. And I actually think that um, Italian Sauvignon Blanc is some of my favorite Sauvignon Blanc. So coming from the region of Friuli, which we'll talk about a little bit later, that that is some of my favorite Sauvignon Blanc, along with like Sancerre, which we'll also talk about in France. But I, I think of Elrond as kind of like a Friuli Sauvignon Blanc. So we just left Rivendell. Bummer. I know. No one wants to leave Rivendell. It's the best. So let's just go over for those of you who are not familiar with the books and the movies uh, who the Fellowship is comprised of. So we've got Frodo, who is the ring bearer, who is bearing the one ring of power to Mordor to destroy it. He's very brave. There's Sam, his loyal and trusty companion, and uh, potentially romantic partner. That's that's a well. That's what? a that's a side. You know, that's like a what you call it? A fan fiction. But wait, hom homosocial home. Over, overtones and yeah, that. Yeah. No, I don't see. Yeah, it. just a little bit. Just a little bit. No, I don't see bit. it. Their love is forever. So then there's Mary and Pippin, who are also hobbits. Um, Aragorn, who is the heir of Isildur and is supposed to be the king of Gondor. And old as fuck. He is. He's super old. But not as old as Gandalf, the wizard, our other favorite. Um, Gimli the dwarf. <laughs> who doesn't love Gimli? Yep. Jonathan Rhys Davies. Yep. Yes. Uh, Legolas. Orlando Bloom, of course. Very important to many teenage girls and boys. And also my dad, apparently. Huh. My dad loved Orlando Bloom. Yep. Um, and last but not least, Boromir, who is another man from Gondor uh, who kind of joins the quest. Played by world's best dyer, Sean. <laughs> poor guy. Poor guy. Well, I think he's, guy. I think he's, he's cashing just, them I know, right? I think he's kind of leaning into it now. So anyway, so those are, our, those are our heroes of the moment. And the first main place that they go, the per, first place of note, is um, Karadras, which is a big snowy mountain. So that's the scene where they're right. like fighting to get up the mountain. Yeah, and Legolas and... is just up on the snow, and everyone's yep, like, and "Don't be like, a dick." Dude. And he's just like, "Do do 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 do." <laughs> also, interjection here: please check out the Very Secret Diaries of the Lord of the Rings by Cassandra Clare. Just Google Very Secret Diaries of the Lord of the Rings. It's hysterical. Still it the prettiest. So Still not king. <laughs> um, shout out to my bestie uh, Emma Cohen who uh, she and I our Facebook friendship pretty much consisted of quoting that for about five to ten years <laughs> before Facebook changed but anyway it's amazing check it out so anyway so we're on Karadras so what I was thinking about what to pair with Karadras and it's kind of a weird choice but I ended up with port 
Really? Yeah. Because it warms you up inside? Exactly, because it's super high in alcohol. Mm. Um, and it is delicious. So I'm thinking, like, you know, you're stuck on a cold mountain. You're not going to want to, like, carry a lot of booze with you. And so you want to be efficient with your alcohol. True. And so, and so in terms of technically wine, that's about as high in alcohol as you can get with port. What so. was it that those like Swedish rescue mountain dogs had strapped around their neck? Wasn't it brandy or was it probably that brandy? Um, I don't. One of those really like fortified. Well, so port is wine that is fortified with brandy. Uh, that, yeah, that's what fortified wine means, actually. I see. Yeah, so it's fortified with like 70% alcohol brandy, which brings it up to, it's not 70% alcohol. It's it's like somewhere between 15 and 22% alcohol usually, which is pretty high. Pretty high for wine. Most wine is between like 125 and 14% alcohol. Um, so just so you know so and also port is so delicious oh my god if i were stuck on a cold mountain i would i would want to be drinking port so a couple of different producers of port to look out for the most famous one famous ones are grams taylor fladgate and dows also recently i tried some port from a producer called quinta de la rosa so good so so good i think they're a pretty small producer so i don't know how how available they are do you know what the difference is between ruby porto and tawny porto what's the what's what's sure do sure do and i'll and i'll again i'll want to have like a whole port episode but ruby port basically is port that's not aged very long at all so it Tawny port is aged in oak for longer. Mm. And fun fact that I learned, because a lot of people ask, okay, so how long does port and fortified wine stay good after it's opened? And the answer is the longer it's been aged in oak, the longer it will last. Yes. So like ruby port doesn't last as long as tawny port after it's opened. And ruby port, it's like a little bit sweeter, kind kind of fruitier. And tawny port is more like caramelly and, yeah, really good toasty kind of. Yeah, if you're looking... Okay, so there's a bunch of different designations of port. I guess I should go over those. Ruby port, tawny port, late bottle vintage port, vintage port. I think those are the four main categories. Look for tawny ports and uh, late bottle vintage ports because those tend to be better value. They're kind of made in the same way as vintage ports, but not... Not quite as expensive. Port's really confusing. It's like if you call it a ten-year port, it 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 doesn't mean that all the all the wine is like ten years old. It means that like it has to be an average of ten years, like taste like it. It's really yeah. It's really it's really confusing. Um, Yeah, dessert wines and fortified wines. I'm telling you, some of the most confusing stuff in. Uh, in wine, if you're if you're like trying to be a wine buff, that's that's the hardest stuff to wrap my head around, for sure. Sugar is a harsh mistress. Absolutely. All right. So speaking of like homosocial undertones, overtones, whatever. No, this is just another great friendship that blossoms in the story is between Gimli the dwarf and Legolas the elf, because dwarves and elves notoriously don't like each other. So. Legolas and Gimli is everyone's favorite, like... Bromance. Bromance, yeah. I'd say it's more a bromance than a romance. 
And though they do end up in the in the appendices, you find that they so because Legolas is an elf, he's allowed to go back. He's allowed to go um, across the seas to the Holy Land, essentially of to, to Valinor. To Valinor nice. But he's allowed to take Gimli with him. So he gets a plus one. Yeah, to heaven. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's nice. (laughs) I know, isn't that nice? (laughs) (laughs) You were were great, so you can come. And also, uh, pick one. Pick one. You can have one. Yeah, you were pretty good. I wish it worked that way. I wish it worked that way. But um, so anyway, so they're so they're fabulous, and I'm gonna do um, some great pairings for Legolas and Gimli, our odd couple, if you will. The grape that I'm gonna pair with Gimli is. Do you want to take a guess? Uh, okay. Yes, I do. Yeah. But it's going to be a miserably bad guess. That's okay. Um, I'm not cheating. I want everyone to know. Grape you're going to pair with Gimli. It's got to be something really, really earthy. Mm-hmm. So what's a really earthy wine? Is it Tempranillo? No. That's just my favorite. Yeah. It's not that earthy. Yeah. Um, is it Chianti? Chianti's not a grape. The oh. the grape is Sangiovese, Chianti. But... Still no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's, uh, That's all you got? That's yeah. all you got? <laughs> all right. So the grape I chose for Gimli is Syrah, which mm. you're right, like earthy, kind of spicy, gritty. Um, this is one of my favorite quotes ever. So this is, again, coming from The Wine Bible by Carrie McNeil, which is the book that I'm pretty much solely referencing for these episodes. I'll get into other books as well, but she's just my favorite. And so she writes... Syrah has always reminded me of the kind of guy who wears cowboy boots with a tuxedo. Wine writer George Saintsbury described Syrah as the manliest wine he'd ever drunk, which I think is kind of perfect because, um, because Gimli is like very rough and tough and manly, but it's also funny because he's a dwarf because he's small. But but I think Syrah is a good pairing for Gimli because he's he's got a he's got a kind of sweet side to him and Syrah and Syrah can be like very smooth and kind of fruity and enjoyable but like Northern Rhone Syrah from France super dark and gritty and olivey and all that stuff that's like some some Hemingway shit sun also rises yeah fly fishing yeah for sure okay so that's Gimli do you want to take a guess with Legolas Uh, okay um this I'm gonna say Legolas is a white wine. I yep yep I did okay. pick a white wine for okay, Legolas. Cool. Not just because he's blonde, but yeah. <laughs> but, okay. Um, he's but is he white Burgundy? No, though I did consider that at one point. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Not a white Burgundy. Albarino? No, you already did that. Uh, I'll Gefetch Tremina. Okay. Sauvignon Blanc. No. Damn. All right. I'm done. Okay. What is it? It's Riesling. What? Oh, <laughs> ah. so close. So, so close. So close. You would have gotten there eventually. So the reason why I chose this. So here's some descriptions of, uh, of Riesling. So probably most of you think that Riesling is only a sweet wine. Riesling is often made as a sweet wine or off dry as we call it, like not technically like sweet, like dessert sweet, but definitely has some residual sugar to it. But dry Riesling is one of the, it's so good. I can't even get the words out. It's so good. Um, it's, it's probably my favorite. It's one of my favorite white wines in the world. 
and it's characterized by searing acidity and clear fruit. Piercing is a word that often uh, is associated with Riesling, and so I'm thinking of Legolas's piercing eyes. And how he'd and be he piercing can... with them arrows, too. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even make that connection! I was just thinking <laughs> about how he can, like, see forever. Um, uh... But that's awesome, yes. Uh, can see for miles. It's light. It's just like Legolas, like you were saying, like floating on top of the snow. Like he can, he's very limber and nimble. It's weird. It's like they have bird bones, but they're not like easy to shatter. Yeah. Um, It can be sweet or dry. And uh, I think Legolas also can be sweet or dry. It's true. Um, (laughs) He does have a bit of a wry wit. He does. He's got a good deadpan. He's got a good deadpan. Let's put it that way. He's got He's got a good deadpan. Also coming from Karen McNeil, she describes Riesling taut as a tightrope. And I believe, maybe I'm imagining this, but I think I need to reread these books. I've read these books like 12 times. I just haven't read them in about three years. So I need to reread them and remember exactly where this would happen. But I do think that Legolas like jumps across a rope, like across a stream or something at, at some point. I know that in one of the films they recreate that scene. I think it was in one of the Hobbit movies or something. Yeah. During, that, like, during the barrel riding oh, scene. Oh, maybe that's maybe. what it is. Maybe Cause... that's what it is. Yeah. That it, was... it also really bothers me when it's clearly like CGI Legolas. Oh, yeah. It, like when he like gets himself up on the horse. Like I remember yeah. being in the theater and everyone was like, whoa, that's so cool. I was like, that that's like the worst CGI in the whole movie. Yeah. It's the same <laughs> when he goes up on the mammoth later in Return yeah, of the King. Yeah, it and is. just kind of like, eh, no. Yeah. And I, I like how they kind of leaned into it about how, like how Legolas is kind of like the Errol Flynn of, <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> like he is. Oh, Merry Men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, as, a, as a patented Winston tangent um riesling and gewürztraminer both are excellent things to drink if you happen to own uh a certain trademark title video game wherein the goal is that you must kill as many nazis as possible ah Uh, it is an ironic thing to drink whilst laying waste uh to the ss and the wehrmacht um by the way uh thanks greatest generation so you know that we don't have to read play that one yeah you know for like a few more months yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) okay and we're back and we're back all right so next place we go which is one of the most iconic moments um in in the book and in the movies um is moria 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 I feel like we're turning into like John Ralphio. <laughs> I wish we could That's harmonize everybody. as well as them. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of practice. Calder, I need yeah, you. Yeah. Aw. Train me up again. Shout out to Calder Schilling. Yeah. Other other half of Winston's band. So Moria, what what am I whatever am I going to pair with Moria? What I chose was, and this is another one that I'm kind of like, this might be a little bit of a stretch. Um, but I chose the wine region of Valpolicella, which is in the Veneto region of Italy, so kind of northeast Italy. Go on. Yes, I'm going to also I'm going to quote Karen McNeil again. Thank you Karen for guiding me. The Veneto is, and I quote, one of the leading ports and commercial centers of the medieval world, or I guess it was. So, um so anyway, I'm thinking of Moria as an ancient link between the old world of the dwarves and of elves and men. Um, gold and jewels, they're mining there, like the trade is very important to Moria. Valpolicella is a red wine 
coming from this region that is kind of darker fruit, very spicy. It can have a very earthy tone to it. It's kind of the same region as Amarone. Amarone is very different, and I'll talk about that later because I paired Amarone with a different region. But Good for drinking by firelight? For sure is it good for drinking by firelight. You would need that. There's also different styles of Valpolicella. So like Classico is a little bit lighter. Ripasso is a little bit more full-bodied. I don't know. I kind of think dwarves secretly are classy as fuck, and I think they would... They would want to be drinking some Valpolicella. I think, and I've got a a tie-in for this. Yep. I think that the dwarves, when they're not, like, hard at work mining, um, are very, like, British aristocracy. Like, harumph, harumph, harumph. Like, the dwarves, if they were in the Industrial Revolution era, would totally be, like, in tales, like, retiring with a glass of brandy and a cigar to the billiard room. Which brings me to my next point, which is, don't you think that Moria is kind of an like an allegory or a parable about the dangers of industrialization and the Industrial Revolution generally? You know, I never thought about it that way, but yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of do, because like, yeah. when Gandalf is like, the dwarves delved too greedily and, and too deep, deep, right? And so, I mean, obviously Mithral... Mithril, silver, Mithril. is yep. fucking awesome. It's like practically invincible mm-hmm. if you make mm-hmm. stuff out of and it. And really pretty. And super pretty. But if you keep digging to get more and more and more of this awesome thing, it can eventually unleash a horrible, horrible fate on you. Yeah, and I think I think the Hobbit has to deal with that as well. Between, between this story of Moria and, um, you know, all the dwarves uh, um, in The Hobbit and The Lonely Mountain that yeah greed is definitely their downfall and that's that's a big theme in tolkien overarching for sure let's get back to the point at hand sorry that's okay that's my raincoat so the point at hand is um some really great producers of valpolicella um one of my favorites is allegrini there's also quintarelli and villa spinosa so check those out for sure all right, so miraculously, we make it out of Moria. But some shit goes down. Shit goes down. There's a Balrog. He's a fire demon, essentially. Gandalf goes down. It's actually one of my favorite mo- moments in the movie. I've seen. I've probably seen The Fellowship of the Ring like 30 times or more at this point. God, I don't even know how many times I've seen it. That moment always makes me cry. When, when Frodo when Frodo turns around and there's just like a single tear going down his cheek. Ugh. Um, that whole sequence is amazing. Oh, it's gorgeous. Ugh, it's gorgeous. We might have to go watch the movie after this. <sighs> Twist my arm. Okay. So the next place, equally iconic, Lothlorien. 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 So this is where Galadriel lives and rules there. And I say rules because she rules. I mean, Galadriel's pretty badass. She is, if you read the Silmarillion, you know she's like literally thousands of years old. Is she one of the Maiar? No, she's not one of the Maiar, but she's one of the original elves, kind of. Um, So she's super, super old. So she came from Valinor to Middle-earth, decided to stay. So she's, she's pretty hardcore. And also, coincidentally, this is something that I realized in rereading the Silmarillion recently. Super nerd tangent, sorry. But 
there's this whole thing about how the the whole house that she belongs to, they all die because they're cursed. Bummer. She's the only one that doesn't die, and there's no real reason given for it. Just so, sheer badassitude. I guess. I guess. And that she's, you know, she doesn't take part in some of the bad things that people do, but I don't know. But it's never, like, explicitly stated. Oh, does Kitty want to come in? So anyway, so the region that I'm going to pair with Lothlorien is... I mentioned this earlier, but Alsace. Alsace is this amazing, primarily white wine region. There's like some Pinot Noir grown there, but other than that, it's entirely white wine. And it's like, it's truly magical wine coming from that region. (laughs) I love, I love looking back at my notes and finding my reasoning for pairing. So I'm saying that Alsace has historically gone back and forth. The region itself has gone back and forth between belonging to France and belonging to Germany. Yeah, there's some minor disagreements about that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. But <laughs> but at times, it's, it's technically in France now, but, like, there's heavy Germanic influence yeah. to it. There's, like, a ton of dead bodies buried under that yeah, soil. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are. But my my parallel to this in in uh, <laughs> in the Lord of the Rings is that Lothlorien echoes back to Lorien, who is one of the gods in Valinor. Uh, so Lothlorien is so Lorien is kind of based off of this kind of garden in heaven, essentially. This is like Eden Mark II. Kinda, kinda, yeah. Except it's a little creepier. Like, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful, but it's a little creepy. Mm. Um, And I think, at least in the movies, because I think think that's the point. There's, like, this kind of eerie beauty to it. So anyway, uh, I love Alsatian wine. Here are just some recommendations for producers to look out for. Trimbach, Pierre Spar, Marcel Dice, Ostertag, and Zind Umbrecht. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you can tell which which wine regions I'm more partial to be, by how many recommendations of producers <laughs> I have for them, because it means that I drink more of them or I've been more familiar with them. So I'm gonna pair pair a spirit grape with Galadriel now, um, and for her, her spirit grape is Chenin Blanc. Um, Chenin Blanc is my other favorite grape besides Riesling. Um, and it's got some similarities to Riesling in that it can be uh, dry or off-dry, but it's got this quintessential searing acidity to it, and that's the key. Like, you could have some sugar to your wine, but if you have that acidity, it's going to be balanced. So that's kind of a key. And Chenin Blanc is the primary grape of mostly some regions in the Loire Valley of France. So even though... I think that Lothlorien is Alsace. I think that Galadriel is Chenin Blanc. Some some things, some notes that I wrote down: um, vibrant and complex, totally true for both Chenin Blanc and Galadriel. Stunning and wise, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think that's a stretch to call Chenin Blanc a wise grape, but hell, why not? Let's do it. Um, it can be sweet or dry. Even when it's sweet, it's some of the finest, most searing white wine, like the light in Galadriel's eyes. Yeah. That's one of my favorite. If you again, if you're a nerd like me and have watched all the behind the scenes and commentaries on the Lord of the Rings, you know that the um the lighting designer 
I think, I think it was the lighting designer or like the gaffer or somebody who loved Lord of the Rings so much and caught up on this detail that there's like a light in Galadriel's eyes. And so if you notice in the movies, there's always a light reflected in her eyes. And that's because they actually have a light being shown on her eyes in any scene. <laughs> and Kate Blanchett um, was just like, I never squint. Well, yeah, because <laughs> she's a professional. That's um, nice. Okay. Yeah. So are you, you going to name some awesome producers now? No, oh, because okay. I'm only doing producers for regions. Okay. So in that case, this is my request. Okay. You have to help me with that awesome quote where Frodo's like, here, take the ring. And she's like, no, nah, I ain't going to take the ring. And he's like, you got to. <laughs> and then she's like, oh. In, in place, place of, of the dark, dark lord, lord, you would, would have, have a queen. queen. Not dark, but beautiful and terrible as the dawn. Treacherous, Treacherous as the sea. Stronger than the foundations of the earth. All shall love me in despair. Sick yeah. metal. Yep. 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 Cue the metal music. <laughs> so I think you'll, this is a total sidebar, but I think some of you will appreciate this. Um, so we went to Dragon Con this past year, which was awesome. And I'm really bad at coming up with costumes. So I just brought like a bunch of like clothes that I have. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You so great though. Well, thank you. But so I threw on this kind of like dress kind of cloaky thing that you got for me, which I love. The purple one? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Along with my combat boots. And then I wore my replica ring from the lord of the rings and i called myself dark timeline galadriel in which she does take the ring it's okay and we're our, we're yeah, in a dark yeah, timeline yeah, now yeah we are we are <laughs> and now she's playing hella or hell in uh in nice. thor ragnarok i think it all comes full circle i went as roland of gilead yeah no winston time. won uh the costume for sure so next, moving on from Lothlorien, again, don't really want to leave. Mm-mm. Like, it was kind of scary there, but not because, like, there was a huge threat, but just because she's so, like, awesome and terrifying. And so next they go on the journey of on the river. And for the Great River, I'm pairing it with the Loire Valley because it is one of the longest regions in france wine regions in france and um through it through it all runs the loire river so that just seems that just seems appropriate and also that's that's another one of my favorite moments in the movie is when they're going down the river and they see the huge statues oh my god it's gate of kings or whatever yeah yeah i forget what it's called yeah it's not called that but yeah so anyway so in the loire valley there's a whole bunch of different regions that we've actually talked about some of them before so muscadet is in the loire valley um chinon which we haven't talked about yet but we will vouvray which we'll talk about later too um but that's that's a region where chenin blanc is the primary grape vouvrays are some of my favorite wines ever um and then there are um, some slightly better known, I think, I don't know about better known, but I feel like more people have heard of Sancerre and Puyfume than those other regions, I would guess. So, um, talking mostly about Sancerre, since it's the most, I would argue, the most famous region, most well-known. Um, so Sancerre, the grape there is Sauvignon Blanc, and um, some great producers 
of Sancerre are Lucien Crochet and Pascal Jolivet, but I want to tell you all about this little known region, another little pro tip. Um, the region of Terrain is right outside of Sancerre, and so the wine can be very similar, but cost a lot less money. So um, some of my favorite terrain producers are La Cour de la Reine and Nicolas Idiar. Um, so definitely check out. But if you see terrain on a label, like try it because it's going to be very close to Sancerre and way less expensive. All right, last but not least, for the Fellowship of the Ring, I'm going to talk about our boy, Boromir. 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 Played by Sean Bleem. Sean Bleem. Sean Bleem. Sean Bleem. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Bean. Um, Sean Bieber. A professional dyer um, as an actor. And the grape that I'm going to pair with Boromir, this was one of the easier pairings for me, Merlot. Oh. Yeah. And the reason why is because Merlot, because of some movies that shall not shall remain nameless, um, has gained a bad reputation. That it does not deserve. It does not deserve it. It is one of the greatest grapes in the world. It's one of the primary grapes of Bordeaux, like considered possibly the best wine region in the world. But it may have flaws for some people from their perspective, but it has amazing strengths as well. Just like Boromir. He's flawed, but he's also got great qualities too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a full-bodied grape, but it's softer than other similar grapes, namely Cabernet Sauvignon. So, uh, you know, Boromir is tough, but he's not quite as tough as Aragorn. Yeah. I'm not saying that Aragorn is Cabernet Sauvignon, but he's... Well, he's got a little soft spot for the hobbits. He does. He does. It's adorable. It's adorable. And he dies. Yeah, he dies protecting them. He dies protecting Merry and Pippin. And, uh,. But also, that's right after he like attacks Frodo, because he went crazy. You know, like, he had some problems. He had some problems, but also like it's something that anybody would be victim to—that temptation of the power of the ring. And so I, I, I like the metaphor there that you know he's he's got weakness, but he's he's not a bad person. So so anyway, so I think that's that's uh. That's where we're going to leave the Fellowship of the Ring. Nice. Sadly, with though, can I share a story? Yes, um, please. So I'm choosing to put Boromir at the end of the Fellowship of the Ring here, um, as it is in the film. Story about my relationship with the Lord of the Rings. The movies came out in, or the Fellowship came out in 2011, and I decided that I it was like. <laughs> Wait, the Fellowship of the Ring came out in 2011. That's 2001, I think. You think. 2001. No, it's 2011. The Fellowship of the Ring, the movie. No, it came out 2001. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm old. Anyway. <laughs> um... <laughs> You're both old. I'm older than you. Oh, Jesus. That means it came out like 17 years ago. Eight, 16 years ago. Yes, oh, how my old. God. So anyway, I decided that I wanted to read at least The Hobbit. and the. I, I think I had read The Hobbit before, but I wanted to reread it and then read The Fellowship of the Ring before I went to go see the movie. So I read The Hobbit and The Fellowship of the Ring in like four days. And then I went to go see the movie. But in the book, um, Boromir doesn't, you don't know that Boromir dies until the beginning of The Two Towers. 
Yeah. So I went to go see the movie and saw that Boromir died. And I was like, no, (laughs) I tried so hard to read the books beforehand. Oh, dinger. Oh, man. And then I proceeded to read The Two Towers and The Return of the King also like in two days each. And then like had a nervous breakdown at the end because I had read so much and was so invested and was so invested. Oh, my God. That was kind of like your Game of Thrones moment. Where, yeah. where and Sean Bean also died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Though luckily, luckily I had read A Song of Ice and Fire before the show came out, and so I knew yeah, what was going to happen. Drink the Wait, tears but also, but also, no spoilers oh. for Game of Thrones. Maybe. I mean, what? Are we well, we about? did it. We did it. <laughs> I guess. I guess I'll put a. I'll put a little. Uh, Game of Thrones spoilers. Season one. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so sorry for those of you who just heard that and um, and now your your whole life is shattered. Also, I'm glad that your region finally has the internet and <laughs> There are people who just have chosen not to watch it yet but intend to. And Well, I read all the books. So did I. Yeah. Which that, makes us better that, people than them. No. <laughs> oh. Is that not? No, that's, that's not how, how that works. Oh. That's not how it works. Okay. All right. We're going to sign off for now. We'll be back next time with the Two Towers. Cheers. Cheers. Pairing was created and produced by Emma Sherjarko with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. I am your host, Emma Sherjarko, and tonight I was joined by Winston Shaw. If you'd like more information, links, and clarifications on what we talked about this episode, please visit our blog on our website at thepairingpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at pairingpodcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. Feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website or on any social media platform. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, cheers. Cheers.